Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Welcome one, welcome all. I am Katie Patrick, joined by David Fiorazzo. Yes. All right, you height people. Uh-oh. You're not allowed. That's what a California school district told non-white teachers and staff in an email, inviting them to a school event that was just for people of color. Okay, Sorry, David. Yep, I know we're being divisive right off the top here. Uh, high school asks employees to avoid inviting white peers to an event for people of color due to mistrust. What does that mean? Well, let's go to California for this one. It's a school district there hosting an event for employees of color, but warned their white peers, they, you don't need to participate in this. It's, this, is, this is exclusive. Um, the Accolanes Union High School District, AUHSD, in the Bay Area, of course, <laughs> Oakland and San Francisco, hosted an event for all employees of color on February 8th. But, and I think you say her name, Dr. Lene McFadder-Harris. Uh, she's the director of, oops, should I have not said she, uh, the director of Student Support, Equity, and Inclusion for the district, reminded employees uh, their white peers should not be invited to participate, according to an email. Well, here's what the uh, specific email said. Hello, POCC staff. We are ready for our first coming together in 2023. We are looking forward to seeing our people of color in the district. Please invite any employee of color to this event. Be reminded that we have avoided inviting people that are not of color <laughs> as there remains feelings of uneasiness and mistrust. And we need this to be a safe space for our people of color. Please reach out to me if you have any questions or concerns about the people of color. Oh. People of color. Did I mention? Yeah. People of it's color? It's only for people of color, uh, just like a lot of uh, television commercials today, but um, a, a safe space. It's got to be a safe zone here. We're, 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 there's a, feelings of uneasiness and mistrust. Gosh, I wish we didn't have to do stories like this, but this is what they are creating. They are feeding the monster. Mm -hmm. They're, the flames are not just igniting. They're pouring gasoline. They're pouring petroleum, you know, what do you call it? The big that's massive not, amounts of you, oil on hey, this fire. Hey, that is not earth-friendly. Oh, that's right. Petroleum is, wasn't the right that word? That is not earth-friendly. Whatever is flammable, they're, they're they putting it on the fire. That. Well, and that's the thing. Let's go back to the slide. See what she actually said one more time. And it's, we're avoiding inviting people that aren't of color because of these remaining feelings of uneasiness and mistrust. Nothing says we don't want to get over what our issues are by purposely separating yep, yep. us forever and for always. But because there remains feelings of uneasiness. This is why there remains feelings of uneasiness and mistrust. And who is that feelings and uneasiness coming from? If it's on you, you need to address it. If you feel uneasy, if you feel the mistrust, you need to find out for yourself where that is coming from. And then you address it. You don't just run away to your safe space, which is exactly what well, you're saying what been you want to do. Yeah. That doesn't solve the problem. It will eventually 
blow up with all the petroleum well, gasoline I think, on it. Oh, I think it, it is blowing it up. It is this, definitely blowing the, up. The, the fruit of this garbage, this racial division, has been blowing up. We've seen it over the decades. And who can forget what happened in 2020, was it? When the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation that's driven by Marxism, they literally blew up police cars and buildings and set things on fire uh, and, and they uh, caused... Uh, uh, millions, uh-huh. if not billions of dollars of damage in cities across the country, that's due in part by this idiocy. That was peaceful protesting, David. Oh, that was all peaceful. That was peaceful. But doesn't this not just, okay, if you are a school district, nothing says we are all united as one <laughs> by having our role models, the adults in the room, so, who are supposed to be the adults in the room, be divided by color. So that minute. just shows you to the students, hmm, how should we divide ourselves? Well, minute, children, so if you've got, we... if you're one of these school districts and you've got the DEI, the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Division, or someone in that position, you've got to just rip off inclusion because you're not including white people. So take inclusion and shove it back in the cabinet. You thought I was going to say something else, but because you're not being inclusive. So what, what hypocrisy? And this is, this, Katie, stop me. I, I, I'll, stop. I've stopped myself. Stop. But it's interesting I because, because I always like to see, say it's the D-I-E, like the die. But if you take out the I, the inclusivity part, and you just have the D-E, or maybe it's the E-D, education. That's what they're trying to do, is they're just trying to make it all about equity and diversity, but not actually including everyone and that's what they're portraying here by saying with the adults in the room we can't even how can you expect the children to move past this to all get along and live under one unified whatever they want to say if you can't even have the grown adults able to get past this that they have this still uneasiness that they exist well, anyway, they're not the first ones to do this, are they, David? Because yeah, no. we've reported on this. Yes. And last year, it was Centennial Elementary School in Denver, and they were, Denver, Colorado, that is, uh, they were criticized for hosting that Families of Color Playground Night, That's where right. only the yep. kids of color could go on the, like, oh, we can't even say monkey bars anymore. Well, yep, the Wheeler School in Rhode Island hosted a similar event. So this is not, again, an isolated case. No. Right? This is happening. It's division on purpose. But, uh, you know, take your inclusion and just take that off your title because you're, you're certainly not practicing what you preach. You intolerant. Anyway. All right. Still to come, a Texas professor instructs elementary school teachers on how to interrogate whiteness. This should be interesting. Stay with us. So we have an example here of wasted research, wasted time, wasted money, wasted and just wasted. We have Annie Daly, who's an assistant professor of literacy studies at the University of Texas at Arlington, who published a paper called Race Talk Moves for Racial Literacy in the Elementary Classroom. Now, if you know anything about the way professors and research and all that jazz works, if you are at a d1 d2 whatever university uh to get tenure to you know get raises to get advancement blah 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 they have to publish 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 which means they all need to combine various topics into one and do some research on it that makes no sense and is not needed 
but here they are anyway, so that they can say, hey, look, I published a paper, ah, and so I've done the research. Works. That's how it And works. that's where we are, where we have, uh, she was like, okay, I'm going to talk about race, and I'm going to combine it with literacy, and oh, let's just do it at the elementary level. Okay, put all that together, and this out comes this paper. In the paper, she argues that teachers must engage students in ongoing critical discussions and be proactive in noticing and naming racist ideologies as they surface in classroom talk and texts. So that means that elementary school teachers need to be talking about race <sighs> because that's what we keep doing. Everything must be talking about race or sexualization at the youngest of grades. And that's what she's advocating for here is racism and racism and if you're like five years old yeah you're probably a racist so let's reprogram you now if you check her twitter profile oh, please do what does it say do tell do tell you find out all you need to know about her this is what we're working with here we have a teacher period researcher period i am a white cisgender woman and fight for racial justice with humility and persistence she <laughs> slash her views are my own <laughs> they i always like how they put that Views of my own. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you'd like to go to d5forblacklives.com, you can learn more about her as well. No, geez. No, thank you. Now, in talking about race, uh, in particular, such conversations should take place while reading and discussing literature to empower students of color and white students with knowledge and tools for understanding, analyzing, and disrupting racism as she wrote such race talk must be ongoing in order for students to develop the knowledge and skills needed to interrogate how racism and whiteness are perpetuated through text language and social norms which means she wants you to talk about race in every little thing you do all the time find it even where it doesn't exist Absolutely. you can find it if you, you look hard enough if you can find it you can teach it however she says classroom race talk is often difficult to sustain especially for white teachers whose racial identities influence how they resist or comply with dominant social and political discourses that silence conversations about race. You white teachers who look <laughs> like me, but you white teachers, oh, it's difficult for you. I get it. Oh, you just need to work more at it. Read my paper. I'll teach you all about it. That's what she probably was saying. That's all. That's all I was doing. Uh, research consistently shows that white teachers often fall short in talking critically about race by drawing on ideological frameworks of neutrality <sighs> and race evasion. There it is. If, if you're not saying absolutely, yes, everything is systemically racist. Uh, mia culpa, mia culpa. Oh, I'm so I'm, I'm awful. I'm, I'm the bad human. Then you clearly are race evading right there. You are being race a race evading. evader. Not a race baiter, but a race, race evader. Because everything, okay. as she says, must be about race. All right. So here's a little thing about what she did else in her paper. Let's, let's talk oh, about tell this. tell us more. So, <laughs> uh, some things that she learned when she went out to research this. Ah. She got her hands dirty. She oh. went and researched this. <laughs> She said, therefore, to help future elementary school teachers better facilitate race talk with their students, she devised a study to examine how one elementary teacher employed multiple discursive practices to scaffold. I mean, you know what scaffolding is? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. To, it's all an education term, too. Scaffold the students' racial literacy development during whole class read-alouds. She wrote that she spent 10 months acting as a participant observer in the fourth grade classroom of an elementary school teacher referred to by the pseudonym Ms. Ellen, 
whom she described as a white cisgender woman in her 11th year of teaching who had developed a year-long literacy curriculum focused on culture, race, and equity. Ooh. And during that 10-month period, uh, Daly reported that she joined Ms. Allen's class twice a week prior to the school's shift to online learning because, you know, March 2020, we had that thing called COVID. Anyway, and then she sat in on limited number of Zoom classes during the final two months. Ooh, look at the research she's wow. doing. Wow, she got her hands dirty, like you said. We call this qualitative research, not quantitative, because she went into one classroom in one school <laughs> for not even 10 actual whole months, and she was twice a week. <sighs> but she's anyway, a researcher. It even says that on her Twitter. But, but over the course <laughs> of the year, she reported observing 31 conversations about race and racism, 16 of which occurred during whole group read-alouds. Mm -hmm, Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah. On average, she said, the discussions lasted approximately 13 minutes, ranging from just a few minutes to more than a half an hour. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I mean, this is such insight we're getting from this paper. Well, topics covered included, quote, how white founding fathers enslaved Africans and African Americans. That's just one. I'll pause right there because, hmm... Where did all those Africans come from? So, to how did they get to America if the white... So, people of their own tribes often sold their fellow human yeah. beings into slavery. No, David. Which is tragic for the slavery money. Slavery was invented in America. Yeah, it was invented. But you know that's BS. Anyone that's watching this program, you know that's BS. And you know that's been debunked. And if you go back and look at real, true, actual history... Uh, world history, you'll see what happened in Europe, and well, anyway, that got it started. So the next one is called The Possibilities and Challenges of the Reconstruction Era for Black Liberation, and the other one is Child Activism During the Civil Rights Movement. So these are just some of the things that she's an expert on, and she did all the getting her hands dirty, doing all that research, and uh, contemporary issues, including... Colin Kaepernick's protest Ooh. of police brutality where he t took a knee for the national anthem and now the NFL is still, I guess, on board with that, um, as well as uh, the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network movement. And you always have to put it that way, friends. Again, I want to remind you at the risk of being redundant, when you see BLM or Black Lives Matter, you have to understand what's driving it, which is Marxism and what's behind it. It is a global network that the left has funneled millions of dollars into to divide and destroy the system in America. It's not just it, the idea of Black Lives Matter because every black life matters, right? Even in the womb, even the elderly, but yes, everyone does. Anyway, off my soapbox. He's off. All right. Well, coming up in honor of Black History Month, Yale, oh, Yale, their student body president asked the white students to perform some acts of kindness upon their fellow black students. And I'm going to let you just wait and see the crazy ideas that they gave or she gave. We're going to talk about it next. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, -E EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. Well, we just uh, finished up the good old Black History Month, and... Obviously, there are always stories about Black History Month, and they're always uh, silly. 
when it comes to college campuses in okay. Black History yep. Month. When we when we get the student body on a college campus involved, they just get silliness. Like this instance, some sort of racism had to come about, and it had to come from Yale. The Ivy Leagues, Yale, their college council, because they're so fancy, they don't just say student council, but their student government, which is the Yale College Council, decided to send a campus-wide email that suggested what the white students could do um, during Black History Month. Okay. And basically, it's um, get out the way, their white students, in the dining halls, on the sidewalks. If you see a black student walking down the sidewalk, you should just let the black student pass you, white person. Or if you're in the dining hall, you should let the black student cut in line, cut in line and go eat some food. Yeah. Okay. This is from Yale student body president right. Lita Barakai, or Barakai, who told the Yaleys, dear Yaleys, to let their black friends skip a busy dining hall line and to lay their jacket down over a puddle. Wait. So that their no. black friends can walk with ease. This says it right there You're in the game. You're making that Number up. One. Let's, yep, nope, it says it. Okay. <clears throat> this was obviously at the beginning of February. It's the first day of Black History Month. Okay, then. I consider dropping my Venmo in this email, but that might be a little unethical. Oh, she's so funny. Uh, so here are some other ways you can celebrate black joy. Number one, when dining hall lines are long, politely step out of the way, out of the way and let the black people pass you. Okay. Number two. If there's a puddle on the sidewalk, gently slide your coat off and lay it on the ground so your black friends can walk with ease. So they don't get the bottom of their feet wet? Is that Well, at least they aren't, so they're not saying also bow the knee as you put your coat down. Well then, number three, support the many black-owned businesses in New Haven by checking this list. That's fine. Support all the local businesses. I'm all... I'm, Definitely yeah. all for that. Yeah, support sure. all black, black, white, it doesn't matter. Just support, support local businesses. Support your local businesses. Yep. Period. But the simple fact that the student government president sent this out to a campus-wide email, part of me wants to hope that some of this is a joke. But I don't think it is. Um, because they are always serious about these no, things. No, this is not a joke anymore if you've been paying attention to what we've been reporting on. But I want to get to another very interesting thing they were doing. The students were encouraged to sign a petition in support of inclusive health care. What does that mean? which demands that Yale Health Center Pharmacy provide free abortion pills, pregnancy tests, and PEP, a medication taken for possible HIV exposure. This is all to kick off Black History Month. The email showed, and uh, the Yale, the, what is the YCC again? Yale College? The College Council. College Council. They signed the petition at their last meeting. So what's important to them? Uh, make sure that everyone's aware there's a racial divide and the discrepancy, and, and there, there's a need for inclusive health care and free abortion pills and pregnancy tests and an, a medication for possible HIV exposure. Why would college students be concerned about that, I wonder? Hmm. I do wonder. Well, I'm going to stop wondering because it's <laughs> Yale and I don't need to care so much about them. But what I do care about is that we have our latest Babylon Bee headlines Thanks to God. discuss. Stay right there. If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows 
plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. All right, before we wrap up this show for the day, let's take a look at everyone's favorite satire site, The Babylon Bee. Here are this week's top five Babylon Bee headlines. Well, as always, we've picked our favorites, and now we'll decide which one should be named numero uno, queen of the hive. We start with President Biden arrives in Kiev for his performance review. Number two, Hunter asks dad to pick up his paycheck as long as he's in Kiev. Next, AIDS brief Buttigieg, or buddy gag, on Ohio disaster using wooden toy train set. Next, Biden tells residents of East Palestine to give up drinking water for Lent. And finally, Don Lemon returns to work, disgusted to find female co-hosts even older than they were last week. <laughs> Katie? Well, since I addressed basically every one of those headlines <laughs> in this week's, well, last week's Healthy Republic, um, yeah. Which one? I, Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Really? You... You stepped in it real bad this time because you offended even, well, half the population overall, <laughs> but you offended even those on your side of things, those who fight with you. The fact that you had to, you, you, you took out basically Hillary Clinton, <laughs> you, you took out Oprah, uh oh, you took out Michelle Obama. They're all past their prime there, Mr. Don Lemon. Whatever you mean by past their prime and number one, my question with Don Lemon is why? Why did he look up Google? He Googled when is a woman past her prime? Why did he need to know that information? <laughs> you ever think about that? Anyway, David, what do you I have? think uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity for some of these people. This is true. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, um, I like that one of the first two. It's it's a tiebreaker yeah, for me yeah. because. I love, if you know, you know, Biden going there, he's like bowing down to Zelensky. It's like Zelensky is a globalist. He's hand in hand with uh, um, Justin Trudeau up in Canada and the globalists in the World Economic Forum. So Zelensky is a bad guy. Um, now we, we need to pray for the people of Ukraine, those that are innocent and suffering. Churches over there and the people that are really dealing with this conflict, this war. But Zelensky and the government is absolutely corrupt. So I love the fact that the Babylon Bee gives the idea that Biden's going to go over there and make sure he's getting good check marks. Hey, Zelensky, did I do a good job? <laughs> did we give you enough money? I think it's into the billions and the money we've given Ukraine. Where did we? Where does uh, the United States get that money? By the way, is it taxpayer dollars or are they getting that from somewhere else? Is another country giving? Anyway, we're we're going off, but that's going to wrap up our. <laughs> Our top headlines. Sorry, I couldn't resist. More satire next time. All right. Well, if you are a fan of the giggling over there by Mr. David Fioraza, <laughs> then please just like, comment, share if you're watching us on social media. Now, for David Giggly and myself, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you for supporting this show. Thanks for Until giggling, Until next time, stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel. 
hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo. Makeup and hair by Katie Scholl. Graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project Media app. Copyright 2023.